Welcome to the Nopalera podcast, a place where I share the journey of building my company from the ground up, as well as the stories of others in our community. I am your host, Sandra Velasquez, founder of Nopalera, a culture-forward brand that celebrates and elevates culture. Aside from making great products, we are cultural storytellers with a mission to inspire our community to stand in their worth. In this podcast, you will hear a mix of solo and guest episodes around the entrepreneurial realities of building a company. I launched Nopalera from my Brooklyn apartment with no outside funding while working three jobs, raising my child in the middle of the pandemic at the age of 44. Thank you for joining me on this journey. I hope it inspires you to live boldly. Yeah, it's a great question that I think a lot of founders... We obviously have followed your story from day one. But it really is helping our own brands when we're helping other brands. This year, you are going to hear a new series of conversations where I provide live mentorship to other entrepreneurs in our community. One of our core values at Nopalera is courage is contagious. I created this podcast as an extension of these values to provide access, transparency, and therefore inspire others, and I'm talking to you, live their best lives while building. Between the ages of 20 and 40, I wished for a mentor, and I never really found one until a few years ago. So as they say, become what you wished you had. Welcome to part four of the mentorship series. Today, I'm talking to Sanja and Bella Namara. Sanja is the founder of Satya and Sage, a collection of handmade eco-friendly candles and home fragrance products inspired by self-care. And sisters Bella and Amara are the founders of a premium curly hair care brand called Pakaiba. We're going to be covering topics like becoming retail ready, pricing, hiring, and budgeting. Nowadays, it's like we need people to keep it real. To keep it real. To keep it real. Hey, Sanja, how you doing? Hi, Sandra, how are you? I'm doing good. Good to see you. I can't wait to hear about what's going on with your business. So the first thing for me is, of course, the economy is crazy. And I'm at a point where I need to increase prices. So I'm trying to figure out how do I strategically do that without buyers saying, hold up, you know, this doesn't work for us. So I have that as my number one, because that is just the burning thing every day. And it also affects some of my other questions that I have. So, yeah, it's a great question that I think a lot of founders have been asking for at least two years, right? All through COVID. So you're not alone. A lot of people already raised their prices. And I think it's always a game of, can you lower your cogs first? Like that's always the first, what can you do on the other end of the spectrum of the margin, right? To increase your margins. Sometimes you just have to raise your price and there's no way around it. Things cost what they cost, but I think my first question to you is just, have you already explored the other side of buying things in larger quantities and producing in higher volumes, et cetera, to lower cogs? Or have you already exhausted that option and now you know that it's that you have to raise prices, which by the way, that's fine. I'm just asking. Yeah. Yeah. So with certain things I have lowered the cogs, but I just think at this point, it's like I've held on for a long time without raising my prices because I'm like, okay, I'm going to try as much as I can to not do that. But when you are in these names, it comes at a certain cost too. So yes. So first of all, I just want to pause and just say that that is important for other founders to know. I mean, you know, I'm always preaching from the rooftops, like you need to understand that when you enter into wholesale, these big retailers, they take a large margin, you know, and most people just don't understand that they're making all the money, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? So it's important to say that out loud. I guess my second question would be, 
have you already studied your competitive landscape at these retailers at JCPenney or at Whole Foods? And what are those prices of those other candle brands? And are you below or are you above or are you? Yes. So I have looked at the prices of other candle companies in those retailers. And yes, they are above my price. So, mm, okay. Yeah. Great news. Okay, yeah. great. So in that case, to me, that makes it a lot easier because mm-hmm. Like how much are we talking? Like $5, $2 or, you know, is it significant? How much my increase would be? Uh, theirs. Like how much oh, is yeah, their they, price above yours? Theirs are probably a little bit more than $5. Yeah. Okay. More than yours. Okay, mm-hmm. great. So then that makes it super easy because that's going to be part of your argument to say that this is more in line with other brands that are producing similar quality products to yours. And also for the size, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm assuming that your size of your candles is also comparable to your competitors, right? Right. Uh, at yes. these mm-hmm. retailers. So again, there should be no fight because sometimes buyers will fight back because they'll say, well, yours is smaller. How, you know, how can it be more expensive? Yes, exactly. And so that is the other reason why I'm like, huh, a little bit holding back because yeah, compared to those other names, I am a smaller brand. No, a smaller size, like nine ounces versus 12 ounces. Oh, okay. Yeah. What's the typical size of your candle? I have a five ounce and a nine ounce. Okay. Those are pretty standard, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of candles are like nine ounces. And so your competitors are also nine ounces, right? In other words, it's just like more of an apples to apples, right? Right. In terms of prices. And so you just have to have that conversation and just Mm -hmm. say that it's time that you've really held out for as long as possible. You know, you've really valued the partnership Mm -hmm. and you really, you know, you have to give them all the compliments up front and you just have to tell them like, and thank you for your understanding. It can't be negotiated, right? In order for you to have a profitable, long lasting business and partnership with them. Again, you always want to say partnership, you know, Mm -hmm. to really emphasize that you're grateful for the partnership. You recognize it's a partnership and that's why you need to raise your prices in line with your other competitors on shelf. And you're also going to do that on your website, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. You want it to be line priced. So I know it's nerve wracking, (laughs) right? It is. (laughs) But this is where you really lean on the power of the relationships that you've built. 13 Loon, they're great. You know, I also work with 13 Loon too. Mm -hmm. And they'll understand, especially because you're really just trying to raise your price to be comparable with other brands that are making similar products. You're not more expensive and trying to make yourself even more expensive. Mm -hmm. You're really just actually, you were underpriced before. Mm -hmm. That's really the way to look at it. And now you just need to bring it up to the right level. Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay, so that brings me to, I guess, my next question, which is, so I will say I have hired someone previously, but that just it ended up not working out. And I had learned so much from that. So I think that the first time I did it, I was just like, I just need somebody. You're a person. You're here to help me. Yay. <laughs> and then, but there were so many other things that I did not make sure it was a good fit. So I'm trying to figure out, I guess, how to be strategic in what positions I hire. I know different pain points for me, but right now I plan to hire at least one more person. But it's like, okay, so when I hire that person, what should their, how should I even title them? Personally, I would like this person to be able to do help me make stuff, help me send out emails. But is that realistic? Like, is that a strategic way? Or should I hire like two different positions, one person to help make 
and then one person to help with things around the studio. Let's define what it is exactly that you need, right? So it sounds like because you're a production team of two, you definitely need help on the production side if you're going to continue making stuff in-house. So that's Mm -hmm. one thing, right? So that's a production assistant that you're going to teach them how to pour candles, right? How to package. And then tell me about the other things that you need. Like, what's the other stuff? Because you said emails, but that's different than cleaning or like... (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah like shipping out once the candles are actually made actually labeling the candles putting the warning labels on helping me to order stuff if there are boxes i run out of if there are warning labels i need to order if there are just projects right now i'm working on a new website if there are photos that need to be put into a Dropbox in a nice way and just things like that that um mm. like for instance okay. i've been you know working on this new website for a while but because i'm pulled in so many different directions it's not you know quite there yet so just different things like that okay so i think you just named like at least four jobs (laughs) okay (laughs) but don't worry it doesn't have to be four people so it sounds to me like what you need is an executive assistant you know when you're talking about putting photos in a dropbox folder that's an EA. That's an assistant. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. like an, a personal like an executive assistant. I have a part-time executive assistant, right? So flights booked, you know, to go to a trade show, um, prepare this for the next meeting, you know, the, any kind of like administrative thing that would normally I would have been doing that you can teach anyone to do. It doesn't have to be you that puts those photos in a Dropbox, right? It doesn't have to be you that ships out a package. Like those are things that you can definitely teach someone else to do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you also mentioned like, things running out that need to be reordered. So that's inventory management. So that's operations and supply chain management. Mm. Are you using an inventory management software right now? Like, how do you know when something has run out? I use what's in my Shopify. So, okay. um, yeah. So whenever You're using that as your inventory manager, right? Mm-hmm. Does that include, but like boxes, like, how do you know when you're running out of boxes? Like, do you not order packaging in advance? Yeah, so I do. So that is the thing. There are certain orders or certain, yeah, certain orders don't get a box and then certain orders do. But how it is in Shopify, it doesn't separate the two. How if something has a box or if something doesn't have a box, so like a candle box. So I just pretty much go by what I have. I just look at my shipping boxes that's full of candle boxes and I have the numbers written outside of those. And that's how I keep up with that. It's definitely not efficient, but that's the way that we've been doing it. Okay. At some point, you're going to want an inventory management software Mm -hmm. to really manage. So everything. So even, for example, the shipping boxes that you use to ship your products to your your stores. How are you shipping things to 13 Loon? How are you shipping things to Whole Foods? Like when you ship your wholesale orders, you're shipping multiple candles in a carton. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. So where are those cartons being kept track of? So we just pack the cartons as we go. You have boxes somewhere, like you have like a, a rack of like cartons mm-hmm. to ship your product in, mm-hmm. right? Like corrugate boxes that you buy. Like, oh, yeah, from. yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So when you're shipping a wholesale order, I'm not mm-hmm. talking about the box that the candle goes in. I'm talking yeah, about yeah. the master shipper box, mm-hmm. those types of things. Like who's keeping track of that inventory? We keep track of them. They're like in a shipping area inside our studio. Okay. So it's yeah. like by eye is what I'm just here. I'm trying to yeah. understand how are you really keeping track? Yes, yes, yes. It's by eye. And then some things we also have in a storage. and But for the most part, yes, it's by eye. Okay. So you know that you can't scale that, right? You can't scale by eye. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's why you might want to start looking into or have your personal assistant or your executive assistant look into inventory software tools because mm -hmm. just using Shopify or just using your eyes, you cannot scale that. Right. So you need an actual way to keep track of all of your things in one place. We personally use SOS inventory because it's affordable. But much bigger brands that are in like thousands of retailers, they use, everyone uses NetSuite, which is, you know, a lot more expensive, a lot more robust, but you need like a system where everything exists because how are you going to train someone to order things? If you're like, well, this part, you just look at it with your eyes. And then this part, right. you look at it with Shopify. And then this, right. Part, right? <laughs> exactly. So, so you might want to look into that too. So your executive assistant or your assistant could also help you with inventory management. So that's something that you can train them to do. Okay. Okay. You should set up your SOPs. Now you have to create like use Loom. I use Screencastify, whatever video screen recording software you like mm -hmm. to create tutorials to teach people so that you're not having to repeat yourself over and over every time you hire someone about how to do something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was one of the other things that I ran into. So it sounds like if you're going to continue to do things in-house, you need a production assistant, someone who just pours the candles, right? Who helps with that? Like, that's what they do. And then you need at least another person who is like an executive assistant who helps you with inventory management. If you're shipping from your place of manufacture there, you want them to be local. So in other words, it cannot be a virtual executive assistant because they're going to come in and ship packages for you. Right. 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 So that's something, right? Because a lot of executive assistants these days are virtual. Like mm. mine lives in Florida. Mm. Um, I live in Brooklyn because she doesn't need to be in my workplace mm -hmm. to do what she does. But in your case, you need physical help. Right. So in a world where money was not an issue, you might hire like an operations assistant, operations and supply chain assistant to really help you get all of your inventory system set up and manage all of that inventory so that nothing ever runs out. Mm -hmm. Right. And that person could also help process orders. So when you get the orders from 13 Loon or from Whole Foods or whatever, they know how to ship those out. Because again, the goal is for you to be able to go on vacation and the business still runs. Yeah. That's the other thing. The things that come with certain labels have to be on certain boxes and all that when you ship out. Uh, that so. is all fine. Like nothing can live in your head, right? This is where video tutorials mm -hmm. come in are golden because trying to explain to people with words is not always the best way. So creating video tutorials to show people like, this is how you box it. <laughs> Here's where the stickers go. Here's how the label needs to go in the box. The packing slip needs to go inside. Whatever those details are, you create that tutorial and you create an SOP. Here's how you process and ship out an order for Whole Foods. Mm -hmm. Here's how you do it for 13 Loon. Here's how you do it for, you know, whoever, right? right. And everyone has its own process because they all have their own process. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. I did, you know, I did not even think about using Loom or like video or anything. So it's yeah. a lifesaver. It's a lifesaver. Yeah, because in my head, I was thinking, oh, I'm going to have to type out all these steps and like, but yeah, let me that... just, just show people, <laughs> just show people, yeah. just hold it up and be like, you know, just film your desk and narrate along. It's so much more efficient. <laughs> mm -hmm. Great. Okay. So I'm trying to figure out what will be my next product. I already have four scents that have been formulated with the perfumer and everything. Actually, I have six. And so now I'm trying to figure out, okay, is this going to be a diffuser blend? This is going to be a room spread. Like what? And I feel like it just needs to be based on stats or, or something that will help me make the smartest decision. Since, you know, I am 
a small brand. So I need to be very smart as I'm sure mm-hmm. you know, with figuring that next product out. Yeah. So my first question is, have you asked the audience? Have you polled your followers? I have not. Okay. I have not. So that's step one, because they're going to tell you. <laughs> because yes, you can go and you can look at, you can sign up for Spate, which is like the trends in beauty. You can look at those things. You can read online about what are the trends, what are the hot new products, et cetera. But asking your community, the people that are actually buying your products, who are already loving the sense that you have, how else would they love those? Mm-hmm. Raise your hand if you use a diffuser. Raise your hand if you use a room spray. Like mm-hmm. send them a short survey, do a poll on Instagram stories, reward them with like a gift card or something if you want to, but always ask your community first and give them options, right? Because you can do it both ways. Like mm-hmm. we've asked our following, what are the products that you want to see next? And then we get all sorts of answers. And then we'll also do another version where we're like this one or this one, you guys pick, mm-hmm. right? Like this or that. And then that way you just give them the choices, the options, like here are the options. And then they decide. But asking your community, not only in your social following, but also an email. Mm-hmm. And if they respond, then you give them a gift card or you reward them somehow. $10 off your next order, whatever you want. But how is your, your email list? Do you have a good size email list that you can tap into? Um, I'm working on growing it, but it's not terrible. Okay. And your social following, like you're engaged there, do you feel? Yes, but not really. It has been a little harder. Last year I did an IG series and that was really cool. And people seem to really like that. And then I ran into like not, you know, having the time to put towards doing the series. I love doing it. I actually missed it and I want to do it again. But hopefully if I get all these other things in place, or not hopefully, when I get all these other things in place. That's a spirit. That's a spirit. Um, <laughs> I will be able to be more engaged over there too. So Yes. And I will say that, you know, your situation is very common where people that are doing everything themselves, you can only be in one place at one time. So there's no way that you can be pouring a candle and also doing an Instagram reel series and also managing supply chain and also visiting stores, right? You can only be in one place at one time. And so right now it's so important because as you mentioned earlier, the economy is what it is and we don't really know when it's going to go back up, right? We're in uncertain times financially that leaning into your community is where the gold is. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't have time to talk to them, to cultivate them, to grow them, then even more reason why you have to get things off of your plate so that you can grow your email list, grow your community, because that's ultimately all we have. You know, mm-hmm. Nordstrom just announced it's closing all those Canadian stores. You know, retailers are not necessarily doing as well as people think they are. Not all retailers are doing great, right. you know, but what you do have is your community, like your customers, like that is the gold. That's what you want to focus on building. And this was even reiterated to me by an investor that I met with last week. She said, you know, you have to focus on that right now because not everyone's going to make it through mm-hmm. this next year or two. Yeah. So anyone can ship a box, right? Pretty much anyone can learn how to pour a candle, but not everyone can cultivate a community, mm. you know? So, wow. <laughs> that was a word. <laughs> need to write that. <laughs> <laughs> so create those SOPs, create those tutorials, get people to help you so that you can focus on building your brand, right? Your brand. That's the most important thing that you can build right now. Yeah. Wow. So true. 
Well, great questions. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much. I was looking forward to this so much. Good. Um, so I'm so happy that I was able to do this with you. So. Hello, ladies. How are you? Great to see you again. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for, for having, having us. We're so grateful that you still did this, given how big you are now. <laughs> you talked quite a lot about the iOS 14 update, and it seems to have jammed everything that we're doing in terms of digital marketing. What's the best use of our small budget? Obviously, we're very, very small. And you know, it's obvious that we still need to do digital marketing. But what is the most cost effective way to use our dollars? Well, paid media, it's a great question. So paid media is expensive. You know, I only did it at a very, very small level. And it was really scary, right? To spend $20 a day was felt like a lot when I was first starting out. And it was just me and I was using my credit card. You know, like, as you mentioned, things have changed since I launched, which was not that long ago, right? The iOS 14 update, which prevents us from being able to target people. That's just for anyone that doesn't know. I used to be able to say, show this ad to women who are between this age and this age who live in these cities who like these things, and we can no longer do that. And so I actually think that the best use of your dollars is to just show up on your preferred platform where you feel your customers are. So there are a couple brands like that I'm friends with that have done a great job of this on TikTok. So Fiona from Euphoria, she has built this incredible following on TikTok organically, like just her showing up, educating, showing how to use the products, et cetera. But you have to be consistent, right? And then my other friend who has an over-the-counter line called Osquo, O-S-Q-U-O, she has also done a great job of educating. She hasn't even launched yet, and she's been building her community, you know? And I think that, you know, you've heard me talk about how important it is to have your email list, right, to build that community as soon as possible. And so I actually think that that's the better way. It requires your time, right? It's like more sweat equity because you can't just like put money behind it and then like go to sleep yeah. and hope that it works. <laughs> But there's a lot of great ways to like create content in batches so that you film one day and then you just chop it up and you make a bunch of little pieces of content where they're using Facebook Reels or TikTok or Instagram, wherever you feel your people are. Maybe you're putting them on all three so that you are everywhere. But I think that if you have a small budget, unless you know what you're doing with paid media, you can easily just waste your money. You know, I've been doing it from the beginning I took a class to learn how to do it. And then I hired someone who's, you know, our marketing manager who works, you know, who's a full-time employee and she was doing it, but it's really a full-time job. Someone has to monitor it, look at it every single day, you know, tweak things, make new creative, try different hooks. And so we're now actually going to outsource to an agency because it's even too much for our tiny team. Right. And I have five full-time people. So it is a full-time job and it's not an ATM machine. Like it's, it requires someone to look at it and tweak it and you have to be okay with sometimes losing. You know, like, okay, well, that didn't work. So if you have limited funds, I think that just showing up organically and creating content, then it just makes you seem like you're everywhere. You create like this echo chamber. Yeah. If we don't have any connections, what's the best way to connect with retailers and stockists? This sounds like a really big question, but we've been told like cold calls and emails don't work. How do you suggest kind of breaking into that? Because you have like mm -hmm. a lot of stockists. And I know obviously they came mm -hmm. to you from the initial ads that you ran. But would you, mm -hmm. can you suggest any other ways that we could perhaps target them? Yeah. Well, trade shows are one because they're going to be there, right? So again, like you can feed two birds with one seed by going there and meeting those retailers and also potentially meeting some sales reps. And I think what the first question is actually, or the first advice is really to be crystal clear on like what types of retailers you want to be in, because there are different paths that you can go 
in this category. So for example, do you want to be in grocery stores? Like, do you want to be in Whole Foods? That's, they have a beauty section, right? You can definitely go that route. But if you do that, then it's not going to necessarily be appealing to other beauty retailers. They're not like, oh, we don't want the brand that's in the grocery store, right? Neither one of these are good or bad. It's not good or bad. It's like, what is your roadmap? What is your vision for your brand? And then going in that direction, because you also don't just want to put your product wherever just because. Just to be in stores, just to be in stores doesn't necessarily equal good. So really deciding where do your customers shop? Where do you want it to live? Yeah, where do you want it to live? I have said no to a lot of retailers, right? And it's like, yeah, I could be in more stores, but those are not the right stores that I want to be in. That's not why I created the brand. So I think deciding that first and then finding out, okay, how do I get to those retailers? So, you know, Beauty Independent has a program called Add It. I don't know if you've seen that, right? They have that. Yes, it costs money, but everything costs money. So, you know, (laughs) nothing is new here. And they have the relationships. They help build those connections. I don't think there's any guarantee, right? But at least you get put in front of those retailers. And at the worst, you get feedback. Because I think that that's the most valuable thing is to really understand where retailers' heads are at, what they're looking for. Why did they say yes? Why did they say no? And so that you can position your brand to get into the stores that you want to get into. Right. It's a bit of a wide question here, but what does it mean in a round kind of holistic way of what meaning to be retail ready? What What do they exactly mean? So retail ready, a couple things. Number one, do you have the production capacity or are you going to sell out in a week? And then it's going to be like a three month delay because your factory is too small or because you don't have strong suppliers, right? So supply chain and manufacturing capacity. Can you keep up with demand? Number one. Number two, are your products retail ready in that like they've been tested? You've done all the testing and shelf life and whatever. Do you have UPC codes? Do you have minis and samples for retailers ready? You know, especially for bigger retailers, not really so much for the boutiques, but bigger retailers. I'm in the process of making minis of everything now because because it's critical to have these like GWP gift with purchase. Of course. Mm -hmm. Sampling is just huge in beauty. Like it's, you know, think of all the discovery boxes. So like, in other words, are you ready to support, right? From a marketing perspective, you know, I think those are like the main things. And then of course, brand positioning. I was just talking about this with someone else on the call right before this. In beauty, is there really anything new? There's not, right? So it's all about the brand positioning. And so how is your product positioned? And is that what retailers are looking for right now? Do they already have something that's filling that space? You know, and so it's all about- Yes, yes, exactly. And so, you know, the harsh reality is that there's only room on the shelf because someone else got taken off the shelf. And so they're hoping that if they're going to put you on the shelf, that it's going to sell better than what was on the shelf prior, right? And so do you have the data? Like, do you have your stats, your repeat purchase rates? Those types of numbers are really helpful because I think the misconception is that if you get into retail, the retailer is going to help build your brand. When really you need to come already with the following, the stats, the repeat purchase rate, the customers bring your people to their store, right? Of course, retailers, yes, they should also support, but we cannot rely on our success just by getting into the store in and of itself. So I think those are some of the key things I would think of in terms of being retail ready. Thanks. Good. Well, I hope that this was helpful to give you some actionable steps. And I think, you know, right now in this current economy that we're in, it's uncertain what's happening. You know, not everyone's going to make it through this year. What I have just been told, right, which I want to pass on to you is to just really focus on building your brand, like build a brand because there's so many products out there 
And if you just try to sell it based off of the product or like an ingredient, that's not a brand. Like an ingredient is not a brand, right? So focus on building a brand, focus on building your community, build your your whole community around you that are going to like ride or die for you, you know? And that's the most important thing that you need that anyway, right? So this is not like just recession advice. Like you want that anyway. You want a community, like you want a strong following that requires you to like show up and connect, you know, you have a strong story between you guys. So there's a lot of like authenticity, right? There's a great story there that I think a lot of people can relate to. Cool. Thank you. Thank you, I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you for being here with us. Remember to leave us a review on whatever platform you are listening from. Spread the word so we can impact and grow the community. If you are an entrepreneur looking for more real talk and resources, you can join my entrepreneurial newsletter from my personal website, sandralilavelasquez.com. But also visit nopalera.co to pick up your favorite self-care items for yourself and your loved ones. Join the Nopalera mailing list to be the first to hear about new products, exclusive promos. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at nopalera.co. Stay resilient.